Yo, what's going on? Yo, it's your boy So-So, in case you ain't no so And welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So-So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, we got friend of the program, Jesse, joining us. And we're talking combat sports with UFC 275 giving us a new champion. We also break down Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 25 and 26, which we'll be attending. And we give the Marlins some love since they've got a hot streak going. And we break down the beef between the PGA and the LIV Tour. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Oh, man. You act different when we have guests. You know that? I know, man. I try to be extra professional mm-hmm. because we're taking up other people's time. It's just not our time, you know? I we, love it. It's love very it. valuable, you know? And we got a cool, cool person joining us today. Friend of the program, our homie, Jesse. What's up, brother? I'm doing good, man. It's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. Absolutely, UCF man. UCF out today. I love yeah, to see bro. that, dog. He's out here repping hard. You saw we're going to the Big 12? Yes. One of the Big 12. That's good. Finally. That's good, yeah, bro. That's bro. a step in the right direction, bro. For I, next year, 2023. So. doesn't matter, man. But that is like Jesse said. It's a, it's a step in the right direction for the program, right? To get into better competition, more money for the school, to build that program. Because they can obviously take advantage of the second tier, second tier and third tier of athletes that are in Florida, which is probably... Number one in other in other states around the country, you know, Florida produces talent like no other man. I think we produce the best talent. Yeah, best bro. football talent comes out of Florida, for sure. I think for I know sure. there's arguments for like Texas and like yeah. Georgia, but there's specific but player positions for for those two states. Florida. Us, you'll find everything down here, bro. I feel like we've fallen off a little bit, maybe. Eh, maybe we're really, coming man. we're coming down a little bit. Nah, man, it's just that they're not staying home as often. That's the, that's for damn sure, bro. Right? 100%. How many times do we see Nick Saban pulling one of these kids or, hey. or or Ohio State or somebody pulling all these kids from down here? Look, bro, we've seen it, right? We're kids who have committed to our programs, right? And they turn around and say, well, I can be the second, third guy in Alabama, in Georgia, and in a year and a half, I'll be starting because the guy in front of me for sure is going to the NFL, so that spot's going to open up quick. That's a good way to look at it, man. It's exciting. It's exciting to see them get in a... Make a move. Yeah, man. Make a move and be in a position where you can show where you're made out for real. Like, put out, silence all the doubters or, you know, kind of fuel the doubters. So, I think they're going to be in a unique position next year. And um, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited to, like, follow every single game like we used to when we were going there, Joel. And oh, like, yeah. like you we guys got to get season the tickets. The problem is, though, we're still in the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, not yeah. the ACC for those that are a little dyslexic. Um, but we don't have any good games this year. I was talking to the boys, and I'm like, yo, let's ride to a game. And somebody said yeah. the schedule, and we were going through it, and it was like, It's not worth the drive, next year? It's not worth <laughs> like, the drive. But, like, frankly, there was just no good game. So hopefully being in the Big 12 next year, they Hell got, yeah. you know, obviously they lost the two big schools there, right? Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. So that opens up the, you know, the Spot. chance for us to even get into a different conference. So now we're playing a little bit level, better level schools. We're not playing Univa- University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're not playing Temple. You yeah, know, we're, we're, we're playing a little that. bit. We're not, we're also not playing, you know, uh, the, the big actual boys. Alabama, right. and like the big guys, but we're again, step in the right direction. So go Knights, but long. Oh, you wanted to say something? I, I want to say it's going to be hard to imagine a better tailgate. 
you know, so we're going to have an opportunity to have a better team, better season. Imagine those tailgates, what they're going to I mean, the like. tailgates don't need any help, bro. <laughs> the, the alcohol helps. They're all right. They're all right. It's a college yeah. town. It's uh, the, it's in the middle of the campus. It's like. Show. Have you, you haven't been to UCF? I drove by. Yeah, bro. I haven't been for a game, but remember, we hung out around there. So we got to. Yeah, we did, actually. We, we, we did hang out. We didn't go to a tailgate. No, we got to go to Memory we Mall we and tailgate. Maybe we'll do it this year. Let's see. Since there aren't any good games, we could probably it's do probably it. Probably for 50 bucks, we'll go out there and kill it. And Lord knows we can use the content. So yeah, maybe we maybe we do an Orlando trip, dog. Maybe some golf, trip. a little hey, UCF now game. You're thinking. You follow Miami package. Golf Bros right now, please. Go follow Miami Golf Bros right now on Instagram. Hit that follow. But uh, uh, we came here to talk about a lot of other things. Absolutely, UCF. man. But the main thing that we want to talk about today is fights, combat sports, and what happened over the weekend because there was a lot of combat sports happening. We had boxing going on, um, bare knuckle fighting going on, UFC going on. Um, man, it's, it's crazy how the fight game is just consistently there every weekend for you. If you're a fan, it's there for you. That content is just overwhelming for you. And we got to enjoy some of it. And we can start with UFC 275 because there was two belts on the line on that card. Um, let's start from the bottom, right? There was five fights. Like I said, the first fight was Jack Della, uh, Madalena versus Ramazan Evmi. Um, and getting better with the names, dog. Yeah. I'm, yo, man! Shit. I told you when the, when the people are here, <laughs> I have to step it up. You know, whoa, I have whoa. to step it up. Don't so, step it up too much. Not right? too These much. Microphones cost money. I got it. I got it. But um, yeah, that fight was pretty exciting. Uh, for those who don't know, um, both of these guys are real up and comers. They have a lot of hype behind them. And Jack was the overall favor, and he went out there and knocked him out in impressive form in the set in the first round, two minutes into the fight. Pretty impressive. What do you think about that fight, Jesse? Yeah, man. I think the biggest thing I took from that fight was the change of feints that uh, Jack had. He has so many different angles, and so and he was always moving laterally. Yeah, you know. So if <clears throat> if your opponent is an unorthodox opponent in a southpaw stance, you want to get away from the power shots, right? You want to you want to move in the direction away from the power hand. And he forced his opponent to circle in the direction of his power hand by throwing leg kicks, you know, from the left side, for example, Correct. and kind of make them circle uh, to his left, right, into his power shots. So that was the biggest thing that I saw in uh, in that fight was it was it was a chess match. It was it was a, it was an art, right? It was it was a dance, and yeah. and I felt that he really set him up to kind of fall into his shots. And look, you mentioned the feints. That was a very impressive part of his game because feints don't really work like they do in boxing, right? Feints in MMA, if you faint at somebody, you might just walk into a jab because it's that quick, right? Usually boxing, there's a lot more feints going on because they're trying to set up combinations that only involve the hands. Yep, that's that's the biggest thing. You're only you only have to worry about one element. Bingo! You know, it's, it's an important element. You know, obviously, it's in striking. It's the most important, probably, but it's only one thing. Whereas if you're you're waiting, for, if you're seeing that feint, that could be anything. You can be getting a roundhouse kick to the face. You can be getting a spinning back fist. You can be getting taken down, slammed on your head. Absolutely. You have no idea what's on the other side of that. So your feint game has to be like top notch, and it has to deliver something behind it. It can't just be fainting for fainting purposes to kind of set the guy up. That's not going to work right. because we've like you like you said, Joel. We've seen guys get knocked out with the front kick because. They couldn't even see it coming from fainting. And that's crazy, right. right? We're talking about a matter of two feet, and the guy's bringing up a foot to your face, and you can't see it coming. With 
with that guy, Jack, man, he again, his feint game was really strong, and he was bringing those power punches and those leg kicks that were forcing that guy to 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 his power hand, and ultimately he laid that guy out. It was a it was a good lay on, and, and again, it's 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 different the respect that gets shown between guys who are coming up and guys who are already established and maybe have a little bit of beef because immediately after the fight, he went to go check on him, make to make sure he was cool. Um, very classy move for a guy on his first big pay-per-view event. You know what I mean? Big show for Massive him. Massive win too, man, because, you know, you're fighting one of these Dagestanian Russian guys. You know he's going to wrestle you. You know, he's the bigger guy. I don't know if you guys realize, but yeah. it, if you look at the size comparison in that fight, the person that had the better weight cut was Jack. Yeah. Because he looked bigger and he looked faster. That's scary. If you're fighting a you're, you smaller know, your guy, is a smaller guy and you're faster than him and you're bigger than him. I mean, it's like, again, it's, there's so many levels to it. Anything can happen. That's why we watch every week. Yeah. Um, but, but from what we saw, I mean, he looked so much bigger. I feel like he had like a, at least five or six pounds on him, um, you know, fight day. So, very, impo- very, very impressive performance. You know, very a big debut for him on, on his pay per view card, man. And, and I think we're gonna see some now since he has that professionalism about his fight game and how he carries himself. It's not gonna be surprising to see this guy on a on a on a main event card again. Which is a perfect segue to my question to our knowledgeable guest here. The reason why we bring him on twelve and two now, just after this fight, impressive fat winning by impressive fashion. Who's this guy got next? Who would you like? Who would you like to see him fight? Usually, when you like to see somebody fight somebody, it's a it's a good it's a good reason. That's a great question. That welterweight welterweight division is stacked. It is. Though, so, dog. who out of all those guys does he have a, a shot? Does he get a shot to go out and, and battle it out against? I feel that sometimes they strategically put these fight cards together, like in terms of the main card. And I felt like when I saw the main card and I read who was on there, I'm like, okay, well. If, if Jake Matthews versus uh, Andre Fialo that we've talked about on the on this podcast mm-hmm. a couple times that he's impressive came in you know has some wins has some losses but nonetheless exciting I thought winner and of that fight Jack, Jake Matthews versus Fialo should have fought the winner of the that first, fight right which because they're kind of parallel in terms of ranking so I think that would be an impressive fight two KOs two walk off KOs almost really yeah they were like. Yeah, yeah, like they, they hit him. In, no chance. They knew it was over. <laughs> so I think that'll be a, an interesting fight. Uh, Jack versus Jake Matthews are two young guys. Or I think they're both twenty five years old. They're physically massive. You know, they're making cuts to to one hundred and seventy pounds, and they look like they walk around at two hundred five. So yeah, big boys, man. Big I think boys. that's an exciting pro- protege versus protege. One of them is a little bit more experienced. One of them we don't have that much film on, which would be Jack. Yeah. You don't have a whole right. lot of film on him, but because he has thirteen fights, fourteen fights, but. Impressive resume in terms of who he's fought, correct, um, and how he's beating them, and how he's beating them, man, and he's powerful. So I think I think that'll be a pretty exciting fight. Uh, I think they both still kind of need a couple more wins to get that crack that top fifteen and be able to say I want a top fifteen guy. They have to go and and be impressive, like you know the expectations that that we have for the rest of the people and the rest of the protege in that division. So. Yeah, you're right, and and you know what, you made a good point too. I'm sure that Jake and Andre Freely were watching backstage, watching this fight, very interested, saying, like, this is the guy that I could face next, yeah. right? And, the you know, J- uh, Jake saw that Jack had that knockout, and he went out there and said, well, I have to put up a performance, too. And he beat the crap out of Filio, man. Beat the crap out of that guy. Like, beat him down, like, to the point where he pretty much submitted his will to him without an actual submission. Broke him. Broke him, bro. 
And it was impressive because of how many head strikes he landed on him, bro. He was really working him when it came to that striking game. And you usually don't see that with the bigger guys because they're a little bit more clunky because they they rely more on the knockout power. But this guy was just fierce with his jabs and his hooks, and he was really punishing feeling. He mixed it up really well, man. Yeah. And I think it was the second round where he finished, second or yeah. third yeah. round. Second but round. Some two Se- and a half minutes into the second. Second round. I felt like he didn't miss a shot, man. In that second round, he was connecting with everything and, like, I kept thinking, man, if if he doesn't let off, you know, he can give the opportunity for Fialo to come back because we saw him do that already in Correct. one fight. So I kept thinking, oh, man, if he doesn't pounce on him now, like he, you can tell that, that Fialo's taking some shots, but he's but he's still there. He's still dangerous. and it's, It was an interesting fight, but, man, the way that he landed that combo. And like you said, in the last couple of seconds, you could Smooth. see him. He, was, he already knew it was kind of coming. Um but uh, very impressive from both guys, man. Andre Fialo's fought three times already this year. Correct. And he fought, I think, two weeks ago. That can't be good. The thing is, is like that, that reminds me of this other dude. Who's who's this other dude that we love? The crazy guy that was when it was in uh, Hamsat. Hamsat. Like he was fighting everybody, like in like four. But five it worked fights. for him. It did, bro. But like it, it also got to worry. It also kind of worries me, dog. Like ah. that 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 has to not be good for your body, unless you're like no, just tapping sure. everybody out in the first minute. If you're finishing everybody, yeah, I and mean, keep it going. If you you're know? not taking that right. much damage, well, that's one thing. But like, and look, in this fight, Jake uh, Jake didn't really take any damage. Um, uh, this dude Andre only really landed 19 strikes on him. Significant strikes, you know that's that's nothing. Yeah, you know for a, for a two round fight and, and you get knocked out like beaten down. Um, a very you know interesting prospect of a fight between Jack and Jake, and they can try to name it like that or whatever. But I feel like that'll be a great fight, and maybe that the winner of that fight gets into the top fifteen, like you said. Very good chance. I mean, it's all. It all depends on how you finish the fight, or if you finish the fight. If you're in a, you know, lackluster fight, you might not get that opportunity. But if you go in there and you impress, like both these guys just did, man, they both they they can very well call somebody out in the top fifteen. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in our third fighter of the night, we had Zhang Wali versus the veteran Joan. Are you sure uh, it's not Wei Li Zhang? Wei Li Zhang. Yeah, you're right. I read it backwards. <laughs> and Joanna Zerzik. Her name kills me every time. Joanna Yunjechik. Joanna Yunjechik. Yeah, there you go. There it is. Um, another another fight that didn't make it past the second round. Correct, and an an heartbreaker. A, I wouldn't say a heartbreaker. I you mean, I'm a fan of Joanna. I get it, but but for me, jawbreaker. It was a, a jawbreaker, bro, because it was a, a hell of a fight. Because both women literally put everything on the line from yeah. the from the moment the fight started. It was like if I don't beat this girl, I'm not getting a chance at the belt ever again. And that was what it took because um, Wei Li was coming off a of, uh, loss and when she lost to the champ and then had to win to get to this fight. Same thing with Joanna. Had right. to lose and f- win impressively to get this fight. Well, we hadn't seen Joanna fight in how in long? In a while. It was like it's, two years. It's been a while. It's been a the while. last time that she got her face, remember when she was like all swollen well, like I, a pumpkin? I, I want to say she fought Jessica Andrade. Yeah, she did. Recently. And she beat her. Okay. Like she beat her recently, to get this but, but like, yeah, fight. I think this year okay. or like maybe late last year, but not. Not a couple of years, but yeah, he, she hadn't fought. Like she's fought like one time in you know, like eighteen months or something. But I, look, let me tell you something, man. This is my take on that fight. There's a lot of talk about about this fight, right? Yeah, There's a, a ton of things. But this was my thing. Um, the fight was very technical. Correct. Um, the thing that stuck out the most for me because I rewatched the first fight because that was fight of the year, I think, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, five round, action packed fight, and Joanna's biggest success throughout her first fight, which I think she got robbed, and she won that fight, in yeah. my opinion. Very close. Super close. But that fourth and fifth round, she kind of started teeing off on her. 
the the weapon that she used that gave her the most success was the front kick. She kept pumping the front kick the entire five rounds, and then she would land it flush every single time. She didn't throw one front kick down this the pipe. Fight. One, it, it, it baffled me. It baffled me because Zayli, uh, Awayli Zhang's game plan was so accurate. She got she has Henry Cejudo trained her in her wrestling for a year because that was her gap. Triple C what did right she there. do? She clinched with her. She got her tired. She weighed in. She's the most physically athletic a lot woman of dirty fighter boxing. in the UFC. Inside punching. She clinched her. She kind of tactically picked her apart. She, you know, throw these little sneaky knees to her knee, you know, in the clinch and little things that kind of start breaking you apart and start getting you tired. Those body shots are the ones that take your tank away. Um, and she landed a couple, but I feel that, I feel Joanna kind of uh, got away from what got, gave her the success this whole time, which was she's the fighter in the UFC that has the third most significant strikes in the U- in UFC history. Right. She's landed a lot of strikes. She's landed over 1,700 strikes in her career. She, she's had 16, 17 fights. She's still young. I mean, she can fight a couple more years, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, but I think that she should have stuck to – a, a little bit more of a narrow game plan like she did the first time. Her The first time was, I'm going to counter. That's what she did the whole fight. I'm going to yeah. wait for you to strike, counter. And and I think that she kind of got away from it uh, um, early on in the fight. And I think that's what cost her because she tried to match fire with fire, and Wang Lee came out with fire. Wang Lee came out with fire. She was out there to throw punches, to throw kicks. Like you said, anytime she got close to her, she made sure that she made Joanna uncomfortable. Right. If we're going to exchange, you're going to be uncomfortable after the exchange. You're going to have to circle left. You're going to have to defend, block a kick. Something that you didn't want to do while we separate here. Right. And she kept that pressure on her, pressure on her. And um, I just think that Whaley knew that she was breaking her down. And she's like, you know what? I can start getting unconventional with what I'm trying to do because she obviously can't see what I'm throwing at her. So if I can catch her slipping, I can definitely end this fight in a you know uh, an exciting fashion. exactly spectacular exciting fashion and sure enough she threw that spinning back list landed and rock, i'm talking about rocked her. rocked her dog forearm straight to the back of the neck fist comes all the way around to the other side of the tempo it's like if you want to land a spinning back fist that's how you want to land it with as much as your arm as possible right and she knocked out joanna bad flattened her Ooh. Yeah, two and a half minutes into the second round. And then uh, kind of what Jesse was alluding to a little bit earlier, you know, shortly after the fight, Joanna retired yeah. from the sport. Uh, she's still relatively young. She's, you know, record setter in the UFC, phenomenal fighter, but has this, I wouldn't say a lackluster performance because she did put it out there, but the game plan wasn't there. The strategy wasn't correct. And then she goes on and retires. You think that played into any of the result of that fight? Man, I'll give you my take on that because me and my brother had a long conversation on this because we, we competed for a really long time. You know, we were young and, and we com- competed for over 10 years in judo. And I remember those weekends where we would go, you know, travel to Boca or New York or wherever on the West Coast, on the East Coast. Um, I just remember thinking like as a young kid, you know, 16, 17 years old, just signed a waiver to be able to do chokes and submit and stuff like that. And what I remember was like, I never went into a fight thinking I'm not going to win. You know, that's how I went into the fight. Like, nobody's going to give it to me today. And uh, it's not to say that you don't suffer losses. You The losses are great because that's, that's what motivates you and fuels, fuels you that's to be how you even learn, better. Huh? And, and you get a, you know, that's the saying. You either win or you learn. Um, but I think that um, what happened to her is that she went in there already with the thought in her head that I'm going to retire. And if I win, 
I'll take the title shot. You know, I'll get my title shot. And if I, and if I win that, then I'll retire on top. But if I don't win today, I'll retire. Totally understandable. She's, she's uh, given us a lot as fans. I think she was a superstar at one point, you know, she kind of started falling off, but she was there. Like she yeah. was, she had that star power. She had that draw, like, People that never watch a UFC wanted to watch that fight. But I think that when you go into a fight, just to wrap it up, you know, like you can't go in there already with that thought in your head. You have mm. to go in there already like I'm going to I'm a killer and I'm the best version of myself and I'm here, you know, to, to get that title shot. And I think she had doubts about her career that night. Absolutely. And and you know what? That's that's very that's easy to see now. Right. When you look back of how yeah, maybe how she fought, like how she walked into the arena, like you could tell that maybe that was weighing on her mind a lot. And that's definitely going to affect you when you're fighting against a very dangerous opponent. You know what I mean? Because Whaley ain't no joke. We know that she, she was ex champ. Like she ain't no joke. But to kind of like end on, on Joanna, man, um, you're right. She did hold the baton down for the women. You know, in the UFC and, and was real good as a champion, um, brought in a ton of uh, eyes and support to the UFC, to to the women's division and stuff like that. So um, we wish her luck. Right. We wish her luck. And I think that she had a hell of a career, a Hall of Famer for sure. She's going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, let's get into the fight that probably had the most controversy of the night. That's between Valenti- Valentina Shevchenko and Talia Santos. Now, for me. Jesse, when I watched this fight, right, I was I was kind of expecting Valentina to come in and destroy her, right? Because Valentina was talking a lot of crap about Talia. She's not on my level. She has nothing that she can offer me. She has nothing that I should be aware of. I haven't watched any type of her tape. Basically down-talking her like if she's not worthy of the title shot. But then in my mind, I'm thinking, you gave her the title shot. It's not like UFC was like, you got to fight Talia Santos or else. No, that's not what it Like, yeah, she wants it. All right, she can come get it. So you obviously valued her at, at some point as an opponent. And then to come in with all that energy and then not have that energy replicated in the in the ring... Man, was surprising to me because Talia came out there to fight and she was in her face and probably would have won that fight had they not butted heads and, and Talia would have got her eyes swollen because she said it after the fight that it did affect the vision. Oh, she had a broken orbital. Sheesh. She had a broken orbital and she had stitches in the same eye that she had a broken orbital. Look at and, that. Uh, during the fight, I told my brother we were, you know, going back and forth because we were kind of shocked. Like, oh, man, you know, she's really driving these takedowns and right we've never seen valentina get dominated get a ch- body triangle on her from the back mount position and dominate her and swing her around even though she did great because she bridged literally 90 percent of the times she'll stay patient and she'll look for that moment to be explosive and kind of bridge out of that right back mount which was very impressive like you can tell she trains those positions she trained for that fight um but talia it was a lot bigger than her, man. She's a big chick. Tall, long. And long, man, and long. And that's how she kept getting that body triangle. And I kept telling her, man, she is literally, she all she needs to do is get to this body triangle to control the fight. And that's her. That's where she makes her, you know, her living is is on the ground. I, I My thing, it's a very controversial fight. Mm. I think that this, if this was a regular fight and not a title fight, Santos wins. Um, I think that I don't like fights that are big title fights where somebody's been defending the belt for X amount of years, eight or nine times, Valentina Shevchenko, yeah, yeah. and you beat them by a razor sharp of a you know a split hair. hair. Yeah, you know it, it was close. I think Santos won the fight technically, 
but I don't. I'm not a fan of taking the belt away from a champ that has accomplished what she's accomplished to bring in a new and new. And new means you knocked them out. And new means you right. choked them out. And means you you made them tap the canvas and quit. That's what and yeah. new means the, to me. Or you dominated was, them. Or a freaking it was more complete of a, domination. It was more of a tie goes to the runner situation, right? Right. Where it was like, hey, you know, you did a good job, but like it, it wasn't enough for us to fully declare you. So just by default, we got to go with the champ. Um, but going back to it, did she do her dance? No. <laughs> she didn't do her dance. She didn't. What? I don't think she did. I don't her think dance. she did it because her herself felt like she felt, she knew that fight was close. You know, mm, she knew tell. that fight was close. That's you, a big tell right there. And I don't and think she did it. and for me, I don't remember that. right? I, I, I can't. I can't remember. If for she those did of it, you that don't know what we're talking, she always about. does the spin with the. It's like thing. I, it's like I forget it's like a ballet. Yeah, yeah, it's some like Russian ballet dance. ballerina thing that she does. Like she hops and like flutters her or feet. Victory dance. And like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back and forth. <laughs> so that that was what I wanted to know, but. Um, it was just so interesting because the fight was so close, right? And and I was in the thought that Santos did win that fight because she she did win a majority of the rounds. There was more rounds and more times that she you can tell that she straight up dominated Shevchenko. Like whether it was standing up and she was peppering her with jabs and punching her and really hitting her, I thought she won the fight. And it's strange that they. And this is just after a big decision, another controversial decision in the women's division with Thug Rose losing her belt in that same type of manner, right, where it went five rounds, kind of like a split decision win for a new champion. Maybe some people were expecting that to happen again, and mm. it didn't. So now, like, the UFC looks kind of weird because it's like, hey, you what's gave the standard? it a, What's the standard, right? You gave it away here, but you didn't here, so, like... Where are, we, where are we at on that, you know? Uh, you you can point. reference, you know, like uh, the Shogun-Mashida fight yep. when, when they first fought. You know, Mashida had all the star power. He was undefeated. He was like 18-0. and 0. You know, everybody wants to see the undefeated fighter to continue. And, you know, he had a really close fight with, with Shogun, which a lot of people thought Shogun won. And that was one of the first big, like, in the modern events. era, right? right? The modern era, that was like the first immediate rematch like everybody wanted to see that fight again like okay we all know Mashida lost but you you know he didn't dominate the fight so how do you take it away from him it was the gray area is the best way to explain the, it. The, right. there needs to be and I, I've, I've said this before I'm pretty sure I've said this on the show before there needs to be overtime <laughs> yeah if, we've if, talked about come it. on Chester run with me here if we get to that point perfect example this fight right here give we, it another give two an, minutes give me another minute and a half I don't even yeah. need a full two minutes give me a minute and a half you got a minute and a half most significant strikes wins and look, or or tap out or knock you know what I mean like Something, dog. They should, just something. Put, they should just put like a phone booth in the middle and just give them two minutes and just throw them in there and see what happens. Cage, man. bring a cage down. Yeah. Yeah. With a ladder and chairs. That, yeah. No, talking. just a just a four by four, bro. A four by four cage. Oh, wow. That's it. Metal cage. Somebody's walking out. It's like, like automatic uh, clinch. Like yeah. um what's his face? Uh Max Holloway when he when he was like he's sticking, he's like, You wanna go right now? Yeah, Last couple exactly. seconds and they just stood there exchanging like Waiting that's it. On it man. Yeah, that's what that's what we need for overtime. Yeah, man. Um, I, I wanna mention something so so in that fight, this is where I feel that the judges kind of passed the win along to to Shevchenko. The biggest thing that Valentina got done in that fight in terms of what showed her experience, is that she won the end of the round. She didn't yeah. win the round. Yeah. But she would win the end of the round. Yeah. A lot of the times. I think she won the end of the round more than the actual rounds she won in the fight. I think she had two rounds. The other three rounds for me, like I've been watching MMA for a long time. It was a clear cut that Santos won those three fights, right. those three uh, rounds. 
Um, but it was it was just questionable in terms of like, man, you know, hey, maybe we'll see him. You know, she's young. She's going to be back. She's going to be a champ. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure, for sure. Santos will be champ. She's going to be her back. second loss, right? Yeah. She's going to be back. She's going to be back. No, that was her first loss. No, her second loss. She's well, 19 it, and 2 now. Well, in the UFC. In the UFC. First loss. first loss in the UFC. Yeah. Not her first loss professionally. Yeah. Um, and you're right, you know, and especially in the fifth round, Valentina held the position on top of Santos for the last minute. And in the eyes of the referee, that's uh, the judges, that's the last thing you see. Yep. That's probably what gave her the edge. Smart move. Champion move, right? Championship experience. Championship experience. Something maybe Rose didn't have that day. But um, at least the main event was an amazing fight. It didn't need to go to the judges. It got finished, and it went five rounds. We're talking about Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Proshaka. Man, I was so amped for this fight because not only of the hype that Yuri has, right, with the impressive wins that he's gotten and the manner that he's gotten them, right, just the fact that he was going up against another UFC Hall of Famer legend, and Glover Teixeira, who's still going at it, still dominating, and still... How old is Glover? Bro. 41. But uh, l- let me tell you a story, Crazy. man. This is Bruh. the background story of why, what his success is attributed to. His success is tr- attributed to the last time he lost was in 2018. When he took that loss from Corey Anderson, which he should have never He's lost. Nobody. Should have never lost that fight. Um, one of the PI guys came up to him and told him, like, hey, man, I want to like learn about your training res- uh, regimen. And long story short, basically kind of identified a bunch of different things that in his career at 41, 42, he should not be doing. Basically, he was prepping his body in, in an incorrect way. He was fueling his body in a way that's not, that's uh, probably appropriate for somebody younger, not for somebody his age. Somebody his age is going to be spending a lot of time on cryotherapy. Somebody his age is going to be getting a lot of massages, things like that, that kind of help you recoup. And one of the PI guys told him, you should... Go to your local PI. And he's like, well, we don't got one. And What's that? Like, What's well, PI? The Performance Institute. Institute. It's uh, pretty much where they have the UFC events um, when uh, COVID hit and stuff like that. They have that little arena for tough, the yeah. ultimate fighter. And they have the cage in there. It's a training center. They have everything up to date. They have the latest technology when it comes to repairing any type of damages that is done, rehabilitation, um, workout, strength, conditioning, anything. They have like it's a, a big giant resource for all the fighters. It's yeah, free for the fighters. Free. So a lot of the fighters move food. They go to they go to Las Vegas and they move there and they train there and they have, you know, the scientists and they have the nutritionists there. They have doctors there. Yep. They have masseuses. I mean, it's a big resource. So Glover moved to Las Vegas. And he started training at it. And he started, um, you know, with the nutritionists of, like, all the resources and stuff like that. So uh, I saw all this information in an embedded episode. And I always thought, I'm like, man, how long, how long is this streak going to go? You know, I mean, he has, he's one of the most complete 205ers out there. Like, the dude has a ground game. He has striking. You know, he, he, I thought he had pretty good cardio in this fight. For Absolutely. 41 years old. And he, I mean, let's, like, let's be real. Glover was 28 seconds away from winning that fight. Absolutely. That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, that's he, a fact. He and more impressively, Prochaska submitted somebody that is a jiu-jitsu champ, a jiu-jitsu legend, yeah. somebody that's been rolling with the most famous Gracies for 20 plus years and this guy choked you out in the last 28 seconds to take your belt. Is, and he was tired and he was hurt. Yeah. And the fact that he like lion-heartedly Went in there and just choked him out with 28 seconds left. Man, 
it's what a sport. Like, what a sport. Like, yeah. everything on the line. You know the clock is ticking. You probably don't even know how much time is left. That quick second opportunity, and he just sunk in a rear naked Nailed choke. It. And he put everything in it. I mean, he torqued his shoulder into the mat. So his ankle, his you know, his neck was at an ankle while twisting it. And he, you know, Glover tapping the mat five times before they let him go. I mean, that's all That's all I kept seeing at replays. Like, this guy just tapped out to a striker. Yep. It was like when George Masvidal, Darth choked Michael Chiesa, and Michael Chiesa's move was the Darth choke. choke. You got choked out by a street fighter. Right, with it's your own choke. Poetic justice. Yeah, absolutely. And look. What's that you're standing on? And, and Yuri, man, maybe it just fits his narrative because his journey has been like that poetic, right? Where he's facing a challenge. This guy doesn't want to fight him. Other guy doesn't want to fight him. This guy's backing out of a fight. He's having a hard time finding opponents. And then he's just beating, mowing guys down, mowing guys down, staying true to himself. The whole why. Not letting this be a Hollywood moment to him or anything like that. No, this man was determined and, and going on a mission. And for him to take a beating like he did, because say what you want about uh, Yuri's stand-up, Glover matched him pretty much toe-to-toe. You know, the total strikes was 159 to 157. Guess who won that? Teixeira. So, like, that's that's how much Glover was willing to play his game and beat him at his own game. And Yuri withstood that and ultimately beat to share at his own game, which was the jujitsu co- complex. It was just an impressive victory for me because <clears throat> the standard that 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 Tashira was carrying that belt, right, and that division with who's who's like really top dog in that division between Tashira, um, uh, Proshek now, um, and the other dude, Jan Blackowicz. Man, very interesting division, and there's more guys coming up in that division. But that was a hell of a fight. Uh, honestly, it was. One of the best fights I've seen in the UFC for a real long time, man. A real long time. These guys bold, were, bold statement. Yo, these guys were beating the crap out of each other. Like, you would be on top and landing elbows and blows, and then Glover would flip them over, come back and stand them up and catch them, like, with two right hooks. Bam, bam. Just, this, like, a very back-and-forth fight. And then, again, some obviously, you know, Teixeira was doing a little bit better because he can control more, but Yuri was just there for it. He was there for the battle, and he was there to win, and... Credit to him, bro. To choke out a legend with 28 seconds left to win the belt, dude. And then right after that, while he was walking back, Blakovich was already calling him out like, yo, congratulations. That was a base. Let's get it on. (laughs) They're going to fight in London, I'm sure. And I'm sure they'll do the O2 Arena. And it'll be a big deal. It'll probably be the biggest fight in the UK or or probably Europe in in the longest time that I could think of. I know Spider Silva versus Michael Bisbing was a big one. And Michael Bisbing and Dan Henderson, but man, that would that would uh, that would sell a whole stadium. Absolutely, at this point, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it's a very impressive fight to watch. You know, to have those two guys who are willing to throw bombs, willing to stand in front of an opponent and really trade punches, it would be, it would be a great you know two or five championship fight, fight in my opinion. Um, that, that you know it's it's a great another great card from UFC, man, another great card from UFC, and it's something that. That we get to, we got to enjoy. They don't um, miss. They don't miss, bro. Those Dana guys White don't, don't miss. Don't miss, man. There's a reason that guy has so much bread, miss. bro. <laughs> I'll pay the fighters more money, Dana. Yeah. Stop being so stingy. Well, you know, it is what it is. And then, you know, we saw, well, I got to see a lot of the bare knuckle fighting championship that we're going to be heading out to um, in a couple of weeks here in Hollywood, Florida. And Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 25 was happening. It was uh, Belcher versus Tate, um, Aaron Allen Belcher versus Frank Tate. And these are two big, big boys, man. And 
when when you see bare knuckle fighting, right? If, if you guys haven't watched an event like that, it's impressive because these guys are literally going toe to toe, right? They they start by standing right in front of each other, and then it's just a pure athletic performance where it's who has the fastest hands, who can land the first blow, and who can land the most stronger blow. And that's that's all that matters, man. How quick can you move? What about that mental toughness? Oof. That's already a given, I feel like, when it comes to bare-knuckle fighting. Because for you to sign up for that, and like, look, Pauli Maginari has done it. There's been a, a couple of guys who have been from the MMA world or boxing world that have come into here and give it a go. And it takes a certain type of person to say, yeah, I'm willing to give this a shot. Right? Because it's you can really really end up doing some damage to yourself, you know, physically damage to yourself, not even mentally, just physically damage, where if you get cut by a bone or a knuckle, you might just have a huge scar on your face, you know, or on your lip or something like that. Um, you you do have to have that mental toughness, though, to get into that arena and, and really strap it up with no gloves on and, and punch a guy in the face. And it, it is brutal. At first glance, it is absolutely brutal. When you just look at you think about it, a bare knuckle. I mean, boxing has been one of the most prevalent sports for over 50 oh, years. More than and, that, hundreds of years. the reason that they do it with gloves is not to protect your hands, but rather to protect your face. Correct. Because if not, you know, one, one knuckle to, to your cheekbone and it's an easy cut and there's blood everywhere and, you know, now we got a mess on our hands. So there's a reason why boxing has been so, so popular or whatever. MMA introduced a new element every you know, everything's up for grabs. We can do whatever the hell, you know, in here with the exception of kicking it in the nuts and right. gouging eyes here. Don't grab hair. They still did that in the early days, but they, they've changed. They changed then. it. But, I mean, this bare knuckle, man, it's, it's it, it, you look at it and it's almost, you know, um, like, gla- like you talk about MMA being, you know, UFC being gladiators. Like, this is real gladiator shit right here, bro. We got nothing on. This is just us straight right. up, our hands, our fists, and, you know, let, let's go at it. So I'm excited for the fight next week, dog. Me too. I really I cannot wait for for that for us to be out there. I'm not sure what kind of content we're gonna have, but I just I'm excited to be a fan and just be there for it in the, the moment. The fact that we're gonna be out there is is definitely raw, right? Because a we're gonna be together. We're gonna have a hell of a time, right? Like we always do. Um, but we'll be able to to watch this together and have this live event happening, right? Where we're sharing thoughts and like ideas. Did you see this? Look at how he's standing. The women fighting, like, it's it's a lot, man. People don't really think that Bare Knuckle is that popular, but they have a huge following, man, a huge following. And I'm pretty sure when we're there, that Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 26 is going to be packed, packed. And and they announced a huge fight. Um, They have that dude, uh, MVP yeah. versus um Mike Platinum. Perry. Perry. They're going to be fighting in England. And, and this is an MMA dude, right, who's very popular in England, a uh, British dude. Who said, you know what? I'm willing to step into that ring. This guy thinks he's hot shit. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to knock him out. And and uh, Platinum Perry is the real deal, bro. He's the real, real deal. Boxer. He's the real deal fighter. Like, you could tell that he has been in street bikes, fights before. <laughs> for sure. He's the pride of Orlando. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. Love that. He's I from Orlando. That. That's so cool. And he's like his... Bro, I remember him being in the... in Trying UFC, right? And his wife or girlfriend at the time was like his cut man, and it was just her. Yeah, his his baby mama. Yeah, it was <laughs> just awesome. her. That's yeah. awesome. That's how hardcore this guy is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for this guy to be put onto a platform like this, bare knuckle fighting championship, where you're fighting an ex MMA guy or a current MMA guy in London, 
Like, that's next level, man. And that's how popular this sport is because it's just like you said, Joel, it's, it's, it takes people back to the roots of straight-up fighting. Or if it doesn't take you to that nostalgic era of boxing, it definitely reminds you of school, right? Dog. Yeah, 100%. Right? I mean, when you 100%. see a fight, you know, you hear somebody yell out, world star, you know, you're like, oh, where's that? Where's that at? I mean, you just, you're just you're so, like, interested to see what's going on. You, obviously, you don't want anybody to get seriously hurt, but you do want to see somebody get punched. And I think we're going to see a lot of people get punched. Dude, out of out of the, what, eight cards, seven cards that were on the main event, right? Seven and the, seven of them ended in a knockout. One split decision. Yeah, I would, <laughs> the main I, event was over by the first round. One minute and 21 seconds. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, how, that's what I am expecting for so, knockouts. For so I'll tell you from my experience, I went to uh, Bare Knuckle 19. I had four championship fights in Hollywood. Sheesh. It's the biggest card they've done thus far. It ended at three in the morning. I, I had, you know, friends like falling asleep next to me. Like, Yo, wake <laughs> up, bro. Like, ain't even starting. But it was a really, really long fight. And um, I think it was like 14 fights. There was two fights that were under 20 seconds. Wow. One of them was a, the first fight was 17 seconds. Uh, <sighs> there was another fight that was a six second knockout. It was like the third fastest finish. It was literally, they started, like you said, you mentioned it, they started like five feet, five feet apart from each other. You know, it's a mental warfare game. Like, if you take a step back, you know, you're, you're, you're soft, basically. You're so they, there's no stepping back. And uh, one guy just lunged in. Like, they hit the bell. And he lunged in. Boom. One shot. Done. W- walked back. His family came. Oh. I mean, it was just like, what the hell did we just oh, watch, man? man. <laughs> and, and I think they did a great job. Got to give a lot of credit to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship because they did a great job of really formatting their fights, right, and learning from these events that they're putting on. Because if you can, if you watch the event, you can tell that it's very streamlined. All the fighters show up on time. Um, all the walk-in music is on time. The 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 time that the guy's supposed to hit the stage, like everything's full timed. production. Full man. production now. So wait, why did that one night go to three? Because they were still learning, bro. They were at what nineteen? That was nineteen. Well, well, that one, yeah, that one started like 40 minutes later uh, than it was supposed to because there was like a power surge or whatever, but there was 14 fights. Yeah. I mean, it was like a stacked card, and that, that was what got me in there. I was like, this Wait, fight? how many fights we got next week? Six. Oh. There's, well, nine, three prelims, six on the main card. That's, That's still, a I fair mean, You mi- said how many? I'm telling, I'm telling you 14. from experience, 14, 14? fights. That's yeah. a lot, it was dog. too much. It was so a, lot. a lot. It was a lot, but it was like fatiguing you. You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, all yeah. right, man, I've been watching guys punch each other in the face. Yeah, there's only so seven much hours. So. Right. No, and like I said, they, they, they've done a better job. They've streamlined their content, right, which is great for us because it makes it easier for us to tune in and tell other people to tune in because now we know what they what somebody's tuning in to, right? And Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 26 is going to have two big championships on the line. Uh, there's Brito versus Palomino in the welterweight division, and then we have Diaz versus Richie uh, in the welterweight uh, middleweight division. Um, that Palomino versus uh, Brito fight, a lot of beef behind those two guys, bro. I watched the video of those guys, like, talking crap to each other, and they are not friendly. Like, for real, they're not putting on an act. They are not friendly. Okay. So. This is a rematch. That's yeah. why. So, uh, Palomino actually beat uh, Brito in his streak. He's uh, Palomino has the most wins in, in bare knuckle. He's 6-0. Uh, nobody else has that record. He is like the top guy right now. Yeah. Um, and he's also attempting to be a double champ. So he's moving up to fight the guy that he beat already that is now champion in a higher weight class. And he's like, oh, you're the guy? You're the champ? All right, well, I'll fight you. And so he, they're giving him the opportunity because basically he has the best record. And he's been kind of calling for that shot already for a while. 
And then, of course, Brito's been talking that smack, and he's coming at him. So, Ooh, bro, it's all love, fireworks, man. I love me a good storyline. No, it's going to be lit, bro. That, I'm telling you, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 26. If you guys are interested in going out there and meeting us, we're going to be out there. Um, Hollywood Hard Rock Casino. We're going to be out there having a great time watching people getting knocked out loud, <laughs> pretty much. As long as it's not one of us. Yeah, no, 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 no. You never know when the drinks start flowing. No, no, no. I get a little belligerent. I'm not going to lie. No, no, no. We're avoiding that to the fullest, man. I like you guys having my back, though. I appreciate that. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Let's talk about these fish, man. These hot fish. Martyrs are on a freaking tear right now, and I don't know how the hell they're pulling it off. I know how they're pulling it off. I'm talking shit, but, like, it's amazing to watch them do it, you know, because it's almost like you don't believe it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this to lead off with. Do you think the meeting that Don Mattingly had, an open format meeting last week before the streak started, mm-hmm. where he let everybody air out all their grievances and all their issues, and it was just kind of something for the team to kind of – Get everything all out there. Do you think that's, when we look back, that'll be the turning point for our season right there? I'm not going to say when we look back, right, because there's still a lot of games left, right? But I will say this. That is him showing his experience as a manager, right, and knowing, okay, the heat's on me a little bit. These guys are 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 not performing to the level that I know they can perform at and what the team expects them to perform at. Let's see what's going on here and really delve into the problem that could be bothering anybody in the in the clubhouse because what we need is unity and he's not getting that right maybe maybe it's what turns around the season but i feel like he just deserves the credit because he he was bold enough to attempt the move and really get everybody's attention and and have everybody's respect to say all right listen we're going to make this a safe room it's only us in here let's air out our grievances right now you know nothing is too personal let's go get it all out because we still got X amount of games left in the season. We got a really good team. We hit the ball well. We pitch well. And there's no reason why we should be losing this many games. You guys figure it out. I'm here to stop anybody from shooting anybody or kicking somebody's ass. But let's figure it out. You know, let's see what's happening. And that's a credit to his experience as a manager. And that's probably why the Marlins are sticking with this guy longer than other franchises would. Right? Because they know that he's the type of guy that really fits well with molding young men and young talent, right, and putting together that uh, that type of chemistry where a veteran can help out, land here, and, and they can ultimately start winning games. And look, we saw it. They went and swept the, the series against the Nationals. Well, 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 for the fans, for the listeners out there, what happened immediately after that meeting was called and the next game after that? Well, after that, we went on a freaking turn, bro. But what was the first game? What was the result of the first game? Uh, 12-2. 12 to 2 to 2. Yeah. And then you follow that up with a uh a win, a 2 to 1 win in the 10th inning where you're fighting, right? And you're you're calling on your closers to show up and win you games. Because that's their main issue, right? Closing out games. They have right. a hard time closing out games for some reason. After winning so easily, bouncing back, right? And and getting that tough win really showed that 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 message hit home, right? Like Let's stick together. Let's pick each other up and let's figure out a way to win. Dude, to, to, to be struggling the way we were and then have that little meeting of the minds or whatever took place behind, you know, the curtain and come out and win 12-2 and then not only just do that, but go ahead and sweep the Washington Nationals in a three-game series at home. At home. Yeah. 
It's I nice. Mean, that that's a great feeling, and that's a confidence boost for the damn fish right there. I hope it's a real confidence booster for uh, T. Raw, the homie Ter- Trevor Rogers, because haven't talked a lot about him this I, year. He's been struggling. He's three and five on the season, five point five ERA, like not playing as well as we're accustomed to seeing him. And like he got that win right against the Nationals, <clears throat> ended up giving two runs up. But more than that, it, he pitched well, right? And when he pitched well. He has won a game before the other other game he won. He was against Milwaukee where he pitched six and a half innings and only allowed one and run. That's a great performance. Then he lost three straight after that, got a no decision, couldn't find his rhythm. Hopefully, that's what turns him around because getting sometimes on board. Absolutely. But sometimes just getting a win at home is is what does it for you. Right. Where you where you pitch a good performance and your team follows up and close out, closes it out and gets the win. Yep. And then we go on the road, right, to start a long road trip, and we start in Houston and win two straight against games over the there. I'm sorry, I'm against the Astros, <laughs> right? Yep, the Astros, a.k.a. the Cheaters. Go out there and win two games, um, first two games to take the series, 7-4 and 5-1. And in one of those games, you, you count on, you know, again, you're not counting on your best pitching to go out there and win you games. We had Garrett go out there and win a game, which was one of the, the relief, middle relief pitchers. Just new guys that we're bringing up, things that we're trying, and it just shows that the consistency is starting to get there in the pitching department. If you if you heard what the runs that I was just saying, the Marlins are scoring runs. We that's never been the issue for the Marlins this season. Totally didn't mention Jazz had a grand slam. Got to throw that out there. Well, in the last seven days, that guy has nine RBIs. Ridiculous, ridiculous. But he also has eleven strikeouts. But when you're hitting the ball as well, like he is, he is it's like Jesse was telling me earlier in the show, like. You know, you're hoping he just makes contact because whenever he does make contact, he's ripping it. He has no doubles in the last three days, no triples in the last three days, but he has, you know, four home runs. He's hitting the ball well, man. And you can't complain because he's one of our better bats. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. He was doing that and he's, you know, and we don't have anybody else and we're only solely expecting him. It's like, all right, well, you know, we, we need a better percentage on base here. You know, what's going on? We need you to go just hit 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 one up the you know up the gut get on base for us you know kind of like Be a that guy air guy you know but he's going up there he's dropping bombs dude and then we have guys that are now coming around we talked about it last episode Soler Soler's coming around now yeah. right he's, yeah. he's starting to hit a little bit better he had a better Aguilar one. six hits in those Aguilar last seven days a little bit better uh, Sanchez right Sanchez uh, been playing well a little bit better hitting the ball a little bit better a little bit better not that great but you know. It's it's like I said, the the Marlins have enough depth in that hitting department in order to get through it. You know what I mean? They they have enough depth. And I, I really think this road trip coming up is, is gonna be a good stretch for them because they're gonna be playing in Philadelphia as, against a tough team. As we record this, they're playing the Phillies right now. Correct. So. A three game series up there, and then you follow that up with a four game series against the Mets, which are one of the best teams in baseball right now, like in their stadium where you're you're going to depend on your pitching to really ca- carry you there, right? You got Alcantara going there in that series. You're going to have uh, Lopez closing out the series against Philadelphia. You're going to re- rely no, on that. Philly's tough. First and foremost, they're tough. Philly's, what, 30 and 30 right now in the season? Yeah, but Alcantara's pitching 500. tonight. I, That's I'm happy ace. with that. Yeah, I definitely expect a good game from and him. And then to follow that up uh, with Lopez, Pablo Lopez, to finish up the series, not bad. Not bad at all. So, But it is a tough team. Yeah, um, for sure. But I am, like you said, I am more worried about that Mets series, man. The Mets are on fire. On man. fire, man. Great I know, team. I know it doesn't matter right now for them because they'll shit the bed before the postseason, before they even get the chance, or if they do get the chance to get to the postseason, <laughs> they'll, they'll screw it up somehow. But regular season, nobody better than the Mets. They're kicking ass, man. They're kicking ass. So that series maybe, is going to be exciting. Maybe, maybe the Yankees. going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah, but the Mets have better pitching. 
for sure have better pitching. You know what I mean? And they're missing one of the guys. But let's see, man. We're just going to keep rooting for the Marlins and hoping that they, they can finish it off, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joel, one thing I wanted to bring up to you before we wrap up, man. What's up? Talk to me about this beef between the PGA Tour and the LIV Tour. yo. World star. Yo, it's beef. That, that's real beef right there, that's man. Because beef. they had a bunch of their guys skip over, the, the leave the PGA Tour to join the LIV Tour, make a boatload of money. You call it the Live Tour. I yeah. want to call it LIV. Well, you know why it's LIV? Why is that? Because LIV is the Roman numeral for 54. Okay. Which is the amount of holes that they play in any given event. Okay. A, a, a traditional PGA Tour event is 72 holes. Okay. Four days, 18, 18 holes, four days. This was only three days. Three days, right. And uh, they, had their, their, they had their first event over in London, right? We talked about this, I think, last yes. week or last episode, or maybe the one before that. No, no, we were doing it on that special episode. Oh, so that doesn't come out yet. Uh, That's right. All right. Yeah. Talk to me, baby. Hey, but we did speak into mics. <laughs> we did. Um, but anyways, so there's an exclusive podcast out there that you guys will not have access to at the moment. Um, but long story short, uh, the Live Tour, backed by Saudi, the Saudi regime and Saudi mm. money, you're talking millions upon millions, if not into the billions of dollars that these guys are willing to spend for this league. There's been, you know, ongoing discussion about it. Greg Norman, uh, XPGA pro, you know, the shark. Um, Land shark beer. Their CEO or their, you know, brand ambassador, and he's the kind of the face of the league. And he's like, no, we're trying to change the game. You know, their message is we want to change the game. We want to grow the game. We want to do, you know, team events. We want to do uh, bigger payouts, bigger purses, more guaranteed money, things like that. Obviously, when you're trying to get market share, right, right. you're going to go out and buy the business. And that's exactly what they're doing. So they pay for Dustin Johnson. So they went out and they got a bunch of guys. But it was crazy because it didn't get announced until kind of last second. Their first tournament was this weekend. And maybe a week before was when they had the announcements. And that's when we found out that a couple guys like um, Patrick Reed um, and um, who else? Ricky Fowler. Correct. Um, there's a couple other guys out there. But the, the most notable two guys were Phil Mickelson, who everybody thought was going there. But the guy that uh, nobody, nobody was expected going, yeah, was going over there was Dustin Johnson, you know, one of the most decorated champions in the game right now. Over 20-plus PGA Tour wins. You know, he has uh, the he's won a Masters he's, he, a couple years ago. Uh, former number one player in the world. I mean, the guy's a stud. Very recent and number one player in the world. You would think, you know, this guy has more than enough money. Why would he go chase the money? But I mean, money talks and bullshit walks. And they gave this guy reportedly anywhere between 100 and 200 million dollars guaranteed, plus the opportunity to go out and compete to make more money. Correct on a, on a weekly or whenever they compete basis. I mean, so, the winner of this weekend's tournament got 4.75 million dollars. Charles Schwartzel, who's um, never made that money in his life. I think probably, he's a bro. former Masters champion as well. Uh, I think he was a surprise, kind of a lackluster, boring right. golfer. Never been considered an elite golfer. Good golfer, professional golfer, obviously, but not somebody that. I mean, Charles Schwartzel. It's like that's not somebody that's very uh, appealing, right? To 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 the the, the, the the golf fan, and yeah, he ended up winning. Um, it was an interesting weekend, man. They had their, their week in three days. Um, you know, it, they, it was kind of odd. I saw a little bit of it. They do a shotgun start. Everybody tees off at the same time. It's a team-based uh, format or whatever, so they had a draft. One of the weakest things they did, like they went on and spent all this money on on, a, <laughs> on the roster and all that, but they couldn't pay a friggin' decent graphic design artist because their logos look straight up like the generic shit in Madden. Like when you're Damn, a team. they couldn't even go to Fiverr, dog, and get it. <laughs> yo, I think oh, a couple thousand would have got them some fire logos bro but it, it looks so childish bro it looked Oof. terrible son and then um you know it, it didn't we didn't really watch a whole lot of it the viewership fell off from the first day to the last day that they had 
Um, but I mean, the fact that the PGA had a phenomenal weekend also didn't help Liv's yeah. cause. The RBC um, tournament was dope. The Canadian Open was this weekend um, up in Canada. Obviously, you had five out of the ten best players in the world playing in, in this tournament. That's no coincidence. Playing if well. I had to guess, I'm going to guess that the PGA had a little bit of a, hey, we're going to give, you know, if you were, if there was any hesitation for you to come to this tournament, we're going to make sure you, that's a yes. You know what I'm saying? And here's right. a little envelope. Um, I, I'm just guessing. Maybe, you know, that's just my tin hat. Get guessing, bro. That's 100% what but happened. Because they, if you're the, the reason, sorry to cut you off, but if you're the PGA, you have to make that. That emphasis, right? You have to show out and say, listen, you can take my guys, but you're not taking the game. You're not taking the name. You're not taking the... You can take a couple guys, but you're not taking all of them. No. And this is the... the, This is the best... League. league, Yeah, for for professional golf. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we had a phenomenal finish to the weekend. Um, Final grouping, final pairing for the weekend was um, Rory... Right. Who was the defending champion there at the RBC, Rory McIlroy. Uh, he was with uh, Tony Finau and Justin Thomas. I mean, those three names right there, you know, even, even the casual golf fan knows those guys. You know what I mean? Um, it was awesome. Came down to the last couple holes. You know, Rory kind of gave up a little bit of the lead. JT came back. Uh, then JT kind of made a mistake, bogeyed the last two holes. Uh, Rory finished in incredible fashion, ended up winning it. Tony Finau hit an incredible putt to get solo second and overpass Justin Thomas. So, um, as soon as it was all over, uh, they interviewed Rory and he was like, Rory, you know, this is your, this is, you know, this back is a victory back to back. You know, how do you feel? He was like, well, this is my 21st victory more than more one more than someone I know. So it feels good. And he, he was alluding to back to the beef was Greg Norman. I mean, Greg Norman had 20 PGA tour yes. victories. Now, so he, has now he has one more than Greg Norman. So he's a little shade over there. Yeah. And dude, it's just, you know, it's no matter what is going on between the two, it's good for us, the fans. Absolutely. Cause we're, we're getting so much, so many storylines, so many things going on. Like now Bryson, just got Let's announced. Bryson shambles going over to the Live Tour. Makes sense. Right? He's a he's a weird guy in his own right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he kind of kind of fits the mold though. But yeah. um, you know, that now we're gonna see who else is gonna start to trickle over. Will anybody else start to trickle over? And who's uh, coming up? Give me one second, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, never mind. It looks like that call is over. All right. Um, well, yeah, we'll do that at the fifty eight mark or so. We'll sure. No, I'm leaving that shit in there, bro. All right, that's cool. Um <laughs> But anyways, you know, there it's good for us because there is another league. You know what I mean? There, there's the team aspect. Now the PGA Tour is going to have to step it up, kind of like the NFL did when the XFL initially came out. You know, they ended up taking their camera angles and some of the things that they were doing to promote it and implement it into the NFL that were right. great things. So that's only going to be good for the PGA Tour, right, to see what they got to step up to, to bring to the table now. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the PGA Tour doesn't need any help. They got the U.S. Open this weekend Correct. Uh, over at the Country Club in, in Massachusetts. It's, um, I mean, this this is the tournament right here to watch right now, guys. I mean, it's it. The main thing is that it's not hurting the game of golf, right? It's actually helping the game of golf because what it's doing is putting it on a different platform for other people to see. It's being if if it's if the beef between the Live Tour and the PGA Tour is making headlines on Sports Center or headlines on the New York Times or whatever the hell. It's big news, right? And people are talking about it. That means that businessmen are talking about it. People who play golf, which are a majority of businessmen, yeah. right? So the game is growing right there. And even the casual fan is looking like, damn, they just paid this dude 100 and what? Right? So that money is, like, intriguing to see what's going on over there. And people Head- are headlines. slowly to tune in. But something interesting that I heard this morning on the Joe Rose show with Zach Kranz, shout out to them, boys, um, was that 
the 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 event was only available on YouTube, and the first day did about ninety four their website as well, right? And had about ninety four live streaming, ninety four thousand streaming people, and, and then, then the second day had like fifty six, forty five around yeah, there. It dropped about 40%. so it dropped a little bit. So it's gonna see it like you said, they have to do a better job of bringing the graphic design into well, it. I think uh, once, well, here's the, here's the thing. So they're on YouTube and they're on their own website and on Facebook. Yeah, that's a problem. But I also found out that somebody just acquired their rights. Sheesh, the zone. Nice. I don't know how nice. Uh, yeah, the might. zone is the zone, and I know the name because of Canelo. But they right? have good and production. That, that they just need money. Did. Yeah, that's fine. But it's like it's another streaming platform. That right. I'm gonna have to get just for this. It's like I, if that's the case, and I can watch it free on your website. I think I'm or YouTube for that matter, because I'm a YouTube guy. You know, right. That's where you live on YouTube, right? Correct. Our, you know, the younger generation is more of that YouTube. Generation. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, while you're at it. And, um, yeah, man, I think, you know, um, as long as they keep getting it out there, it's good. It, this is not a bad thing for golf. It's a bad thing for the PGA Tour because now they have competition that they've never had, right? But competition's always good, man. Like I said, it creates, you know, throws new ideas out there, uh, help, makes people, you know, step it up, step their game up instead of, you know, being complacent. Now they got to grow. Uh, so I think that's going to be good for it. The inherent issue is the, uh, I guess, the, the what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, shoot the conundrum, the dilemma, the moral dilemma. There we yeah, go. That's what, that's I'm what it for. is. The moral dilemma because of the fact that it is Saudi backed. Yep. Right. And there's a lot of issues with that, you know, with, with their with culture. With them as a country. And yeah. As a, as a culture. culture, you know, women don't right. have rights. You know, the reporter that got a lot of recently. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on there. So it's like, are you comfortable taking quote unquote blood money? And we see a couple guys, you know, it, it, there's, everybody has their number. Right? Money it, talks, even worse bullshit talk, walks, bro. That's it. Absolutely not. And, and even worse than that control. Yeah. Right? control over a system that you know has a lot of viewers that are domestic you know i think that that's worrying that worries me yeah you know something like that it's what it's weird man and 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 you know what it's it's even trickling to other european sports right we see the influx in in soccer where a lot of new big teams big clubs are being bought by chelsea get bought out by the Saudis. no but they one of the biggest bids that came in was from one of those groups and they had reservations about like do we dive into this right. you know what i mean right tough man but um like you said it, the best thing is that us as regular golf fans or, or fans of sports in general um we get to see interesting storylines right and the the more golf there is available the better it is so it never hurts man it never hurts U.S. Open this week, baby. Let's Make get sure it. Make sure you tune in and start its coverage. Starts on Thursday. They got the best players in the world playing yep. at the country club. No big it's cat, beautiful, but beautiful it'll be all course. right. Um, there's going to be some good storylines. Yeah, we're, we're going to miss the, the big cat. The big cat, but he'll be watching it from his couch. Absolutely, man. Out to the uh, the next tournament he can play in. But check it out. Let's wrap this thing up, dog. It's about that time. Player. Yes, sir. Uh, let's get it. Hold on, man. Before you hit that, you might as well go ahead, go ahead and hit that, man. I was Jesse. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. It's so great that we can get to do this type of show like this live. Um, it's always get, better when you're in person. <clears throat> absolutely, yeah, man. Get it on the phone. It's, it's a sure. great it's a great vibe, man. We have a great time here every time you're here, bro. So I want to thank you for that, bro. I appreciate the opportunity, man. It's always good to hang out with my boys. Absolutely, man. And um, and I can't wait to do this fight with you guys, man. Yeah, bro. We're going to have a great time. Guys, bare Knuckle we'll Fighting Championship 26. After the, the Bare Knuckle fight. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Beautiful. Go check us out, man. Grab tickets to the event. See us out there. Um, you guys know what to do. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. Tell one more friend. To tell one more friend <laughs> to go follow this show right now on YouTube. We got the game of the week out there right now for those who haven't watched it. And it's a great game that we're going to be bringing you this upcoming week. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and like, and comment. Until next time, peace. peace.